0: I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as demons, slashers, franchises, and directors' bodies of work.
1: And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. Happy holidays, all. Cozy up next to the fire, grab an eggnog to drink with Jesse and I, because this episode is going
0: to be a wild ride. Merry Christmas, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, holy shit. (laughs) I feel like we haven't done this in a while because we haven't done this in a while.
1: We haven't. When we get to what we've been watching, I had to pare it down by like 20 movies.
0: <laughs> the news was was hard enough by itself. I mean, we recorded the Halloween episode before Halloween. That's the last time we recorded. So, yeah, I don't think we should start the break as early next year, maybe, but it has been a little relaxing. So ah, I got to get caught up on a lot of shit. I got my house painted. Ooh, we're still on break. We're not going to fully come back until January but we had to do a Christmas episode had to do it yes and wait till you guys hear our Christmas movie picks because it's something (laughs) but let's start out with the news this was really difficult to do because I was having to like go back so far and try to remember what was cool and new and then I just decided to scrap all that and just go with everything that really stuck out to me recently. So okay, if I'm missing anything, I'm sorry. And Josh, if you come up with anything, please throw it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always do. What? So <laughs> <laughs> Robert England's going to be a reoccurring character on Stranger Things season four. So that's kind of badass. Yeah. I'll pretty much watch anything with him in it. He doesn't have to always be Freddy to me. He just kind of, he brings some charisma to it that makes it nice. True.
1: For better or worse, sometimes.
0: Yeah, I, I would definitely say that. Like in Leslie Vernon, when he's basically Dr. Loomis hunting him down, he's still like crazy overacting, but I'll just take it because it works. Yeah. I saw some set photos of the Resident Evil reboot that is supposed to be more like the video game. And judging by the set photos with the old RPD helicopter crashed in front of what looked like the proper mansion. I'm getting a much more authentic vibe from it, and I'm kind of excited.
1: Oh, hell yeah, because that's legitimately straight out of the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the chopper's going to crash, and they're going to have to run for their lives into the mansion. Sold. Hell yeah. This one was kind of mind blowing to me. Warner Brothers are going to release every movie that comes out in 2021, including Wonder Woman on Christmas Day on HBO Max, the same day it comes out in theaters. And as far as horror fans are concerned, that includes conjuring three and malignant and also King Kong versus Godzilla. But there's some big fucking movies in there. I think it's really cool, but all the directors are pissed and they're like revolting against them. And the director's Guild's going to see Warner brothers. Oh, wow. Well,
1: we're in for whatever reasons we're in different times right now. At least it's getting the content to the audience.
0: I mean, I think the people that we're going to go see it in theater, no matter what, we're still going to go see it in the theater, no matter what. And I'm, I'm talking about when the, pandemic's over with right however long that's gonna fucking take yeah you don't just get it on HBO max I'm pretty sure you have to do the like twenty dollars to rent it thing right still but I'm okay with that because I'm only gonna do that on a movie that I would have waited for it to come out streaming anyways yeah like if I was gonna go see it in theaters I'm still gonna go fucking see it in theaters I thought it was interesting one of the directors that made the biggest stink about it was Christopher Nolan and (laughs) he was he was the first director to be brave enough to release his movie in the pandemic, like a blockbuster movie and nobody came to see tenant. If Christopher Nolan can't put asses in the seat, not many people can, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, even if you're personally not a fan of Christopher Nolan, he packs seats, you know, and and people didn't come see tenant. So like, I'm actually surprised that he was one of the front runners and complaining about it, but I don't know. I think it's kind of neat that you can do both. Yeah. I uh, think the world's changing. I think the pandemic accelerated that i mean we saw this coming a couple of years ago right like it's just the, the pandemic forced the studio's hands and i think it could work in the end
1: yeah as long as they you know leave it with shit like that none of this great reset bullshit
0: but moving on neil marshall has a movie coming out called the reckoning And it's going to come out on Shudder. I should have wrote down the release date. I feel like it's in January or February. Okay. But it's a period piece happening during the Great Plague, and it involves witch hunts. And there was a trailer, and everybody said the trailer was awesome, but it got pulled quick because the real trailer is supposed to come out in the next two weeks. So it might be out by the time this episode airs. Okay.
1: We finally got Shudder. So, yay.
0: Oh, I live on Shudder, man. (laughs) The trailer, they said, was comparable to The Descent more than some of his other movies so we'll just have to see like as far as atmosphere and creepiness so
1: oh yeah because this is the one that they're like neil marshall's return to real horror or some
0: shit like that yeah yeah. speaking of returning to things hbo is already going to reboot true blood it's been six years since it ended god i hate reboots the person the (laughs) the person that runs riverdale and sabrina is the showrunner i can see it
1: they're going to make everybody 10 years younger (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, but see, here's the thing. I don't know how much they deviated from the books. I know that when I was watching the show as it was occurring, people that I knew that had read the books was talking about how different it was from the books. So uh, maybe this will be a more authentic book adaptation.
1: Okay. that's Now, that's different. If somebody takes source material and goes a different direction than the previous incarnation, then reboots are understandable, I guess I'll say.
0: And also speaking of Shudder, I'm glad you kind of segwayed us into this. They have a non-animated Creepshow holiday special coming out for Christmas and it involves werewolves on the trailer and it looked pretty fucking cool. Have you guys seen that yet? That I'm
1: excited for because the animated one was all right, but it didn't feel like Creepshow.
0: Does that make sense? Right, right, right. It was definitely a cool art style though. I like how they did it. Yeah. And the first story with the guy stranded on the island, like, kind of fucked with me and made me a little nauseous on parts of it while it being drawn like that. So I thought that was kind of impressive storytelling on that. <laughs> I will say that I, I think that came out after the Halloween episode, but I feel like Joe Hill kicked his dad's ass on that <laughs> because the first story, was Stephen King, and the second one was Joe Hill. So gotcha. This official announcement kind of blew my mind. Disney announced an alien TV series set on Earth that's coming out on Hulu. Like Xenomorphs? Yes.
1: Because they own Fox. So the queen is officially a Disney princess. That joke is no longer a joke anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's really cool. Like, they're putting it on Hulu, and it's going to be an FX-made product. Okay. So FX is going to be making it, which they make some of the grittier, yeah. darker TV shows. So it sounds like Disney's knows that Alien's a franchise to not fuck with and to, you know, not try to put it on Disney Plus or something. We'll have to see how that goes. Do you have anything to add, news-wise? Hell no. Well. Okay. No. <laughs> 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 and if we're repeating anything from the Halloween episode, we apologize. Like I said, it has been two months probably since we recorded, right? Yeah, we fucking slept since then. <laughs> as far as announcements go, I, I went into this uh, a little bit, but we are still on our end of the year, end of the season break. But we had to do a Christmas episode. We're always going to do holiday episodes. I mean, hell, maybe one year are to be a New Year's Eve episode, because there's a couple... Horror movies on New Year's Eve, but we like the holiday, so it's fun to do it.
1: Shit, I got my next Christmas movie picked out.
0: <laughs> Shit, that's gonna be <laughs> a funny story here in a minute. Um, <laughs> we're gonna be back in January, probably closer towards the end. And the only other announcement type thing I could think of is that as long as our episodes are, there's still plenty of content that hits the cutting room floor. And normally, I just leave it be and it's gone josh and i'll have discussion and we'll decide if you know it felt out of place or it was like a really long tangent to go off on and we needed to cut time because as you guys know we run a little bit long sometimes no shit and we had a couple tidbits from the nightmare on elm street series that were like a minute minute and a half long i think i I might even said this when we were doing the Nightmare on Elm Street series, but they were interesting factoids, even though they were short. So I think I'm going to release them in the next couple of weeks as little minute and a half bonus episodes. And you guys let us know if you like that, because what I'll do is as I cut out segments, I'll purposely export them and save them. And we'll just throw up little bonus things where, where it couldn't fit. Like the Nightmare on Elm Street ones, we talked about the spinoff TV show that didn't really make it right and we talked about the nintendo game which is a classic and something that we love and 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 we wanted to bring both those up and it just didn't fit right so um (laughs) we'd like to get that out there to you guys just let us know what you think as far as updates and corrections go it's been two months so uh, i'm sure we fucked something up in there (laughs) and you can make fun of us via email or social media my what we watch list is going to be interesting because i'm sure i'm missing. Just extreme amounts of shit, but I was going (laughs) to bring up everything that that really stuck out to me. And it kind of comes with a funny story talking about, you know, us running long on time here. But last year, we only picked a Christmas episode realistically because we were on a break because I wanted to do Gremlins and that was the best spot for it to fit. And that's... Back in the days where Josh and I, you know, started out doing a lot of movies in episode and we dropped it down to like fucking six or something and then down to four. And the Christmas episode last year is the first time we did one movie each. And we were supposed to each pick two movies. And Josh had his two. Like, he he didn't even let me breathe. He just spit them (laughs) both out. And I had Gremlins and I was reaching for it. And that's not why we dropped down to one. We had a very busy and stressful holiday season last year and just didn't have as much time as normal. And we dropped it down the one and we think it was for the better of the show. But here we are the next Christmas and I still hadn't picked another movie and Josh was <laughs> ready to go. So I made myself a list of Christmas horror movies that I hadn't seen yet to watch on purpose to pick because I didn't want to do one of the like really Debbie Downer, eighty slasher Christmas movies, right? I wanted it to be fun. It's a fun holiday time. Josh and I are chugging eggnog as we record this, and this is going to get ridiculous in an hour. would have yeah, had too much of said eggnog, but I wanted it to be fun, and, and Josh's movie was just so fucking batshit crazy. I had to pick something to accompany it, but a large part of my what we watch that I'm going to go over is because of the podcast, so... <laughs> So I started out with Anna and the Apocalypse. That was my original second movie pick for last year, even though I had never seen it because I was like Scottish zombie movie that's a musical, <laughs> right? I got to do this. So I watched it a few weeks ago on Shutter. I enjoyed the movie, and it's really funny because I watched it and I wish it would have been more of a musical. Like I felt like there was too many straight acting scenes and not enough singing at times. Okay, but then I caught myself two days later purposely looking up all the songs on YouTube. <laughs> And they are fantastic. That opening scene with her like going down the street—it's kind of like Shaun of the Dead with him going to the store, yeah—and not knowing what's going on. But it's more like the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Like there's so much death and mayhem happening, and she's like singing and dancing and so happy. <laughs> and the movie's a lot of fun. So if you hadn't seen it, watch it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely
0: fun. Yeah, yeah. And then I I read about a Christmas horror story, and it was an anthology film—a horror movie around Christmas. That's anthology like we just did for Halloween. And William Shatner is a radio DJ tying all the stories in. I was like, how could this go wrong, right? Uh, We love anthologies on the show. (laughs) And I watched it. And the production quality was great. The stories were good. I liked the way they tied together in that trick-or-treat kind of fashion. And I really liked the movie. But it was too good of a movie to go with Josh's (laughs) pick. So then I had to put that one on the back burner. And then I heard about Better Watch Out, where the director and writer's idea was to take Scream and Home Alone and put them together to make a horror movie. And that sounded fucking fantastic. And I really liked that movie. And I almost swapped that one at the very end. (laughs) But once again, it was a really good movie. I'd like to do it on another circumstance. And honestly, other than them saying it's Christmas and there being decorations outside, the movie could have taken place at any point in time yeah right, like home alone it is a Christmas movie, even though it you know it doesn't completely base everything off of Christmas. They could have been out of town on something else, yeah, but it still has a lot of Christmas stuff in it, whereas better watch out his parents could have been at a wedding or any kind of party. it didn't have to be Christmas. So that kind of took the the spirit of Christmas out, so I didn't go with that one either. In a minute or two, you guys will have to hear what crazy piece of shit film I picked to go with Josh's crazy piece of shit film) <laughs> The other two things I watched was I went and saw Freaky in theaters because I'm the slasher guy. I had to go see it. I saw that Vince Vaughn's in it and playing a 16-year-old girl for most of the movie. And my buddy David and I went to the movie theater. We drank some beers before we went because I live right around the corner from the theater. And they just built like a new like fake IMAX theater at the theater by my house. We go in there, open a night for the, this movie of this new top-of-the-line theater, first film to show in it. We're the only two people in the theater
1: holy shit, now I feel even worse that we didn't make it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys are worried about that going, and there ended up being nobody there. And it's just, that's people are scared to go to the movies right now. And that's why I don't, I mean, do the studios want to quit making movies for a year or two, or do they want to release them on HBO Max? Like, uh, that's why I don't get that whole Warner Brothers argument. But the movie, without spoiling it, it it's made by the, the same people that made Happy Death Day. I like Happy Death Day more.
1: Yes, I did end up seeing it.
0: Oh, you did? Okay, okay. But I did like Freaky a lot. I just like Happy Death Day was just like a nice high bar mixing the Groundhog's Day and everything in it. But the acting was pretty good. It had some decent kills in it, and it was a unique twist on the Freaky Friday story.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll give it that. My biggest gripe with it is there was too many things that you could see coming from a mile away.
0: Yeah. I'll just leave it there. Most newer, safe um, slasher movies will have that problem, (laughs) unfortunately. But it's because at the heart of the movie, it wasn't a slasher movie. The heart of the movie was it was a remake of Freaky Friday. Yeah. It did that really well with the the splash of slasher. And Vince Vaughn, I mean, he can only play a couple of roles, but he, you know what I mean? Like he's got that, you hire Vince Vaughn for a certain personality you want, but he was great in it. And so was Catherine Newton, which a lot of people know as Castiel's daughter on Supernatural. And he played a funny, you know. 50-something-year-old guy is a 16-year-old girl, and she played a creepy-ass slasher. So it was kind of nice to see all that. Oh, shit, Supernatural. That's something else I watched, by the way, on the break, (laughs) because it ended. So take that how you will. I'm
1: still a season and a half behind.
0: Oh, you got to get caught up. I'm not going to spoil anything for you or any of the listeners, but the episode before the last could have been the last one. They even did the brothers, you know, riding off into the sunset in the car to carry on my wayward son with a montage of scenes to the— 15 years of the show and they had already conquered what they were there to conquer for the season. And I'm like, what are they going to do for the next episode? They could have just ended it there, but I guess they wanted to make sure that you knew the shit was done. (laughs) So so then they have another episode that had absolutely nothing to do with anything else and, and, and made that the last episode. Okay. But yeah, it's interesting. Other than that, I've watched the Mandalorian every Friday because we love that fucking show in this house. So (laughs) josh what have you seen
1: i've seen a lot and i cut the list in half and i'm gonna kind of blow through this list with not a review just uh, just i'm gonna blow through it so if there's any of these that you've seen as well that you want to wax on for like 30 seconds we can but uh satanic panic which has got uh rebecca romaine in it and uh Jordan Ladd is in it for a little bit. She's not a major character. Okay. though. It's fun as shit. It's uh, about a pizza delivery girl that goes to deliver to this rich ass house and ends up becoming their sacrifice for the night.
0: I saw previews preview this. That looks really funny.
1: Monster Party, which that's more straight up your alley. If you don't know what it's about, the movie's so much more fun because the people that go into this situation at this house as it's kind of like a uh, don't breathe. Where they're going to a party mm-hmm. as as the help actually in this movie um, to rip the people off, but then they find out that the people they're trying to rip off are way worse than they could ever be, and then it gets weirder than that. But uh, it's so good.
0: That's another one I saw the previous four and I wanted to see, but maybe maybe I'll try to force myself to see that one this week. So
1: Smiley for anybody who hasn't seen that, I thought it was pretty meh. It's yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, as anyways.
0: I hadn't even heard of that one.
1: Scare Package, which I put on as kind of okay. That's another one that I don't want to say what goes on. And it. it's more fun. If you just watch okay. it mortuary collection. Have you seen that?
0: No. I, is that on shutter?
1: I think it's on shutter, but it's, it's an anthology and it all ties together. Cause you have like a basic storyteller okay. that their story progresses during, during the, the anyways, by the time it gets to the end of it and it comes full circle, it's fucking awesome. Okay. I thought craft legacy was hot
0: garbage. <laughs> it was so <laughs> bad. <laughs> I've actually not met a single person that liked it. And I'm talking about horror fans. I'm talking about people that just loved the original in the 90s because that's when they grew up and they're not horror fans, but that was like their favorite movie. I'm talking men. I'm talking women. I, I mean, just like everybody from every walk of life. I haven't met anybody who liked this film.
1: Yeah, that was just a miss. Summer of 84. You've seen that,
0: right? Yeah, I tried to get you to watch that one a couple years ago. I love that fucking movie. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Fucking watch that shit. If you like 80s, if you like Stranger Things, if you like Goonies, watch that shit. It's a Stranger Things, Goonies,
0: slasher flick. Yeah. From a child's point of view.
1: Blood Vessel, which is a double entendre, it's basically dog soldiers on a ship with Strigoi, or Old old World Vampires.
0: (laughs) Okay, you sold me.
1: (laughs) Host? Have you seen that? It's uh, uh, this group of friends to do like an online seance type thing and then paranormal activity style shit happens.
0: I haven't. Somebody recommended it to me, but it's somebody that has terrible taste in movies. So... (laughs) Occasionally they like something in there, but they literally will pick like the worst version of something on Netflix and be like, this was great. So I was a little scared to watch it, but maybe I'll check it out.
1: Yeah, it's slow to get going, but once it gets going, it's pretty fun. And you know how I am about those movies. And then to yeah. round out what I've been watching recently is Uncle Peckerhead. What? This is another one I don't want to give away. It's about a punk rock band going on their first tour and they lose all their shit and they hire this dude who says his name's Uncle Peckerhead, to basically be their driver slash roadie. Only Uncle Peckerhead, every night at midnight, turns into a human-eating monster. Okay. And it's totally not all the way in the vein of, like, trauma, but it really leans that direction. <laughs> but it tries to be real serious at times, too, but it's fun. It's like if you took Green Room and tried to turn it into a comedy.
0: Okay, Minus the Nazis, I'm guessing?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no... No, there's no, there's no Nazis. We get, uh, we get, (laughs) we get indie artsy assholes instead.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's like murder party thrown in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's the longest one of those lists I've had.
0: I think this is the longest intro we've ever had, but (laughs) here we go. It's going to keep going on longer. Speaking of (laughs) trauma, like Josh and I just watched the trailer for psycho Gorman right before we started uh, recording together and I'm going to say it looks fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, go to YouTube and type Psycho Gorman. The trailer looks great. Yeah, it looks funny as shit. And another announcement that I'm really excited about is that Macon Blair is remaking The Toxic Avenger starring Peter Dinklage. Oh, yeah. I could be singing a different tune when it comes out, but I could see Peter Dinklage as the nerdy janitor getting, you know, picked on and. You know, beaten up and and then turned into giant Toxie and then they have fucking the Rock running around or something as toxic, You know, and I think it'd be really fun if they do it right.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm totally okay with this, and we'll be monitoring it, hoping it
0: actually happens. But on to the movies. But what candy cane flavored pieces of shit did we come up with for this year?
1: I don't know. Let, let's get under the uh, mistletoe and put our mouths together
0: about it. We're a family, Josh. It's inappropriate. I told you last year.
1: Yeah, tis
0: the season, man. So Josh's second film that he just had to do last year that carried over to this year was Jack Frost. And even though I'm a slasher guy, I've never been a huge fan of that movie. I like it a little bit more now than I did when I saw it previously. But I had to come up with something to go with that movie, right? So it couldn't be it couldn't be a good movie, right, or a really good movie. And it had to be kind of batshit crazy. And what I landed on was 2005's Santa's Slay which I have seen the poster and the cover. I didn't even realize he was playing Santa beforehand. And just the artwork and the name of it made me say, I'm not going to watch that piece of shit, (laughs) right? And I watched that piece of shit and it was really fun. I actually liked it a lot. So there's not much backstory or behind the scenes in this movie. So I'm just going to go over the main cast and crew, and then I'm just going to dive into it. Okay. All right. So it was directed and written. By David Styman. This is his only writing and directing credits. He is a production assistant for Brett Ratner, who is a very successful and famous filmmaker. Yeah. And he worked on most of his larger films. So there you go. That's how he got his foot in the door to make this movie. And Brett Ratner actually produced this film. Oh, okay. So the cast. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> Santa Claus is played by Bill Goldberg former NFL player for the LA Rams, if I remember correctly. And he was a pro wrestler for quite some time. And I was never big into wrestling, but my little brother was, and there's a few wrestlers that stood out stone cold. Steve Austin, the rock and Goldberg are three of the big ones that I always remembered. And, uh, honestly, he was fucking perfect in this movie as this version of this giant lumbering Viking Santa Claus on a murder spree. Oh, yeah. I think in a lot of the movies he's been in, he plays like a football player or or something like that. You know that it's more like him just acting out a different character from his own reality. And you can tell dude went in and just fucking had fun with it. Yeah. And it made me have fun with it. His one liners, man, rival Fred Krueger's. <laughs> Just because of the Christmas and the wrestling puns. Like, it's just so <laughs> punny it worked. Oh, now, Nicholas Yulson is played by Douglas Smith. And when I looked him up, I remembered him from other shows. He's, he's been a lot of TV shows. He was in Big Love on HBO, Big Little Lies recently. And most recently, he's on The Alienist, which I haven't seen yet, but I want to see that. And apparently he was in the original Ouija, which, like I said, when we covered Ouija 2, I've never actually seen the original one. But I remember him in Big Love and Big Little Lies, and he's a good actor. However, he is fucking terrible in this movie.
1: <laughs> Thank you for admitting that.
0: <laughs> so the guy can act. I, I don't know what to say. Emily Duravin, on the other hand, as Mac or Mary, she's called both in the film. She was really good in it. She was your traditional like what the man usually plays in a slasher movie yeah right like the hero coming in badass and tough and she pulled it off really well but people wouldn't recognize her from Roswell and then she was a main character on Lost yep right that's what I always remember her from and then she was on Once Upon a Time my wife loved that show I think she was Belle I can't remember but she's done a lot of those kind of uh genre type television shows and and she was fantastic in it Grandpa was played by Robert Culp, who is a very famous old school television actor with almost 200 credits to his. I thought you were going
1: to say televangelist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. We're almost to that guy. And um, two of his bigger roles was probably I Spy and The Greatest American Hero. But the guy's been in so much shit. You just have to look him up. And he passed away in 2010. Oh, damn. And the last main character that I'm going to bring up, this is where your televangelist joke came in, is Pastor Timmons, (laughs) played by Dave Thomas. And Dave Thomas is an old school comedy actor, but he is more famously a director and writer. And he has way too many credits to name. So if I'm just going to drop one here, he's in Strange Brew. That's all we need.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I always remember him from
0: Grace Under Fire. (laughs) Shit, he was on Grace Under Fire. You're right.
1: Oh, Jesus. Wow,
0: you didn't go straight to Strange Brew? No, I've never actually sat and seen it. I just almost spit eggnog on my screen. (laughs) We're going to watch it together. I remember the first time I saw that movie was with our buddy Andrew that we grew up with. Yeah. And they do a beer race upside down standing on their head in the movie. Oh, so we tried to do it. I was
1: like, say a lot of dots are getting connected right
0: now, (laughs) but that's it for the primary cast. There is a lot of famous people in this opening scene, which I'm about to dive right into. The opening scene of this movie is so fire that I was hooked (laughs) when I saw it. This is one of the greatest openings of all fucking time. Yeah, I don't think I'm exaggerating either. It's just that good. We open up with a Christmas Carol playing in the background. And we see a well to do family setting down for a nice family Christmas dinner. And by nice, I mean they're a bunch of rich assholes that are complaining about <laughs> what kind of designer purses they want, whether their spouses are faithful or not, turkey tasting like shit, and how nice it would be if things were actually moist. Yeah, moist. That would be nice. It's called foreplay.
1: I don't want to screw the bird, I want to eat it. <laughs>
0: They let the daughters say grace, and grace includes things like being thankful for not being poor or Samoan, (laughs) and that the less fortunate just need to learn to work harder, okay? And just when you're ready for someone to come in and kill this family, we see Goldberg come flying off the top rope. And down the chimney? Yes, I'm mixing up uh, the fucking pay-per-view wrestling match from uh, from 10 years ago. What we see is Viking Santa slide down the chimney and bust out of an actual fireplace. They had him break through a fireplace they built around him. Holy shit! Which is awesome. Yeah, he's a big son of a bitch. But he comes in, dusts himself off, punts the dog into a ceiling fan, <laughs> making him the first victim of this film does a barrel roll across the table i guess is the best way i can explain it and impales james Con's hands to the table with forks yes they got james Con in this fucking movie somehow and then he chugs some rum and spits on a candle or a light or something and catches friend dresser's hair on fire because she is the wife in this movie and then drowns her in eggnog now she's moist <laughs> oh shit <laughs> That reminds me, I need another drink of my eggnog here. Yeah, I gotta re-up. But after drowning the nanny in eggnog, (laughs) he mule kicks Chris Catan into an armoire, killing him as he's trying to do some kung fu moves, and then bashes Rebecca Gayhart's head in with a table leg. No, not Noxzema, girl. I know. (laughs) Like, fucking, I don't know how they got all these people in this movie. And then, like, one of the sisters dies because she faints and her chair flips over and she's impaled by, like, a fire poker or a table. I it's, don't know. I've watched it five fucking times, that one part. I don't know what impaled It's
1: her. the dog's bed. The little yippy dog's bed is a four-post bed.
0: okay, okay. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> yes. So she instantly dies on that. And while all this carnage is happening, the other sister, and these sisters are grown women. I want to throw in there. They're not kids. Yeah, yeah. It's hiding <laughs> under the table, and she decides to make a run for it. And Santa takes the fucking star Bethlehem off the top of the tree and (laughs) chunks it like a fucking shuriken impaling her in the back and killing her. Oh, yes. I just said all of that. And I could not be more proud of it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our opening. That is four minutes into the film.
1: The wife tried to get me to watch this movie so many times. And I would just look at the cover and go, no, a Goldberg Christmas family movie. Fuck. No. And then we finally, she got me to watch it one year and now it's in the Christmas rotation.
0: (laughs) I will watch this movie every year. I can't wait till my kids are old enough to watch it too, but they're not, I don't know. I think you have to have known who Goldberg was too. I think it adds to it. Yeah. <laughs> but that is an awesome opening scene into a movie. And I think the body count of this movie, I, I looked it up online. I think it was 41 kills. But if you think about it, we just lost like, I don't know, seven, eight people right there. I, I think I actually left out how James Caan dies. Like he, his hands were impaled, but the last thing before the opening credits is he, uh, as Santa yanks the turkey leg off the turkey, jams it in james Conn's throat and then slams his fucking head down making the turkey leg basically stab into his brain and kill him yes i don't know how i left that out but that, that's how <laughs> the whole family died it was a lot happening in four minutes okay and then we dive into the opening credits where we hear christmas music playing once again and we see a book that says satan slay until it's hit with a slay and turns the word satan into santa And it shows a book that's written in what I found is Icelandic language. And it has pictures of Santa being a bad dude and killing people and having like a trident and shit. And then we see that he lost a curling match, from what we can tell in the the pictures, to an angel. And then we see Santa holding an hourglass. And then the pictures turn into a traditional Santa through the years giving toys and spreading some holiday cheer. And we can see the years count from 1005 to 2005 as the pictures flip, right? Yep. Enter the Hell Township on Christmas Eve, right? So it's like starting in Haddonfield night before Halloween. And we can see a deli, which I think is called Heaven Sent, which is kind of funny by itself, (laughs) with a mean-ass old lady giving Nicholas hell about the menu and his crazy grandpa arguing with the owner over the price of a roast beef sandwich and she's sick of this happy holidays pc bullshit and it's fucking christmas thank you and go fuck yourself the icing on the cake is when she leaves and she looks over at mac and calls her fucking whore on the way out the door (laughs) right (laughs) it's like what just happened Uh, i can't make any of this up i really can't but just as you want to see this old bat die you see her driving her car very slowly down the road as santa comes up riding on her ass with a sleigh with his two giant i don't know they look like buffaloes with horns he calls them his hell deer but it's supposed to be his reindeer right yeah. he comes riding up on her ass and he delivers the excellent move bitch get out the way <laughs> she's in his way
1: that movie is officially dated
0: <laughs> i know i know they could make it this year and he'd say it it would still be just as great <laughs> but but after delivering this this oscar worthy line he rams her off the road and kills her And honestly, I don't see a problem with this kill list so far. We're in good shape. No, no, we're good. Ah, I'm still upset about Nugzima Girl. (laughs) (laughs) But back in the deli, we see the owner, which, oh my God, what's this? I can't think of the actor's name right now. I remember him from the TV show Warehouse 13. Never seen it. It's a pretty good show. You'd probably like it, but that, that, that's what he always sticks out to me on. But he gives Mac and Nick. I'm going to call Nicholas Nick a lot of the time because she's easier to say, but he gives them each a Christmas gift, even though he's Jewish, because they made lots of, you know, there's lots of jokes to him being Jewish in that opening scene, which is why she's mad that he said happy holidays. Yeah. And I don't remember what Mac got, but Nick gets a world clock that shows what time it is in every time zone in the world. Oh, Mac got a, a snow globe. She says he always yeah. gets her a snow globe.
1: Yeah, and the clock shows the uh, the time in all 25 time zones.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. And we then cut to Gramps' house as Mac gives Nicholas a ride home and drops him off. And on the ride there, we find out that, A, Nick does not like Christmas, and, B, his Grandpa's a doomsday prepper, right? The house has many hidden locks and keys, and alarm system, and a motherfucking bunker built in the basement. I don't buy the keys on the porch, considering
1: the amount of security. <laughs> I just don't buy it.
0: I know. we see that grandpa is crazy as shit and an inventor. And in the past few days, he managed to build this previously mentioned bunker and a nutcracker that can fire chestnuts that apparently explode. If they are heated too high before their skin is cracked. I looked this up. This is actually true. (laughs) Did you know that I did not? You can pull up YouTube videos (laughs) of exploding chestnuts. People do it as pranks and shit. They get hot and they fucking explode like a grenade.
1: Nice. He's uh he's fucking grandpa Peltzer.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that night, after Gramps tries to justify his bunker to his grandson, we cut to Santa ringing a Salvation Army bell and eating a candy cane until some thug tries to rob his giant ass, which would never happen. (laughs) And Santa beats the monkey-loving shit out of him. Like, anytime they cut to him just whooping ass, it's enjoyable to watch every time. and usually involves somebody getting picked up over his head and slammed on the ground. I don't remember everything that he did but one of his moves was called the jackhammer and i feel like it had something to do with people over his head his main move was the spear and that motherfucker's coming up in a minute they made <laughs> sure they got that in here but back at gramps house nicholas talks his grandfather into telling him the truth about christmas and why they avoid it because he wanted if they were like jewish or something right because they <laughs> always avoid christmas and gramps breaks out the book of claws that he has in a safe with a pen with wings on it and it says it was granted to him for a lifetime of service And Nick mistakes the book for the Necronomicon. This was a nice touch to throw in there as well. Yeah. Gramp reads the book first in Icelandic, and then he has to do it in English because Nick doesn't remember his Icelandic supposedly. And the story says that there were two immaculate conceptions, God with Mary having Jesus and Satan with someone named Erica having Santa on the same night. And on the anniversary of Santa's birthday, There were always a great number of unexplained deaths and murders, and it was known as the day of slaying. There was some sort of, you know, Viking term for this. I don't remember what it was.
1: But more importantly, it lets us know that in the past, the writer really got his heart broken by some bitch named Erica.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 (laughs) apparently. (laughs) But Christ's mass, which is Christmas, was developed to pray for protection on this night. And at this point, the doorbell rings, and Gramps gets up to answer it, and Nick flips the book and sees Santa's demonic yaks, or whatever the fuck they are that we (laughs) saw, pulling the the goddamn sleigh, right? And we see that Mac was the person at the door, and she brought some nasty-ass-looking wolverine meat that her dad shot fresh that morning with his Bullets for Animals Club. And Gramps goes to follow that shit under Section 13 because he ain't eating it. And Matt gives Nick a present. And it's a Transformer that looks like a Glock or something that's apparently a toy that he always wanted. I'm as happy as a -a Make-A-Wish kid. But we cut to the local church led by Pastor Timmons as he gives his Christmas Eve sermon. And he wants the congregation to dig deep into their pockets for the poor. But the poor don't want coins. They need bills. So (laughs) stop putting as many coins in there and start putting some bills in the tray preferably singles (laughs) yeah preferably singles he says but we then cut to the local strip club called gold diggers where we see the preacher roll up and leave his car with the valet because apparently this back alley strip (laughs) club has a valet never saw a strip club in my day with a valet and he finds out that since it's christmas eve it's dead in there and he's got the place all to himself and the bouncers aren't gonna let anybody else in right so the pastor has the entire strip club to himself. Santa then rolls up to the valet with a sleigh and leaves him, you know, very politely hands him the, uh, the reins to the sleigh, right? <laughs> and walks up to the bouncer and says he's there to stuff some stockings. <laughs> <laughs> and the bouncer tries to stop him, but gets his ass beat into the ground and then is strangled to death by Christmas tinsel. Yep. Okay. Because yep. this is just crazy <laughs> <laughs> Santa then heads into the club and he sees the preacher having the time of his life and there are naked women everywhere oh, ho, ho. he then proceeds to kill the bouncers and the bartenders in the club and a trucker that was apparently in there and uh, there are actually some pretty decent fight scenes for like a low budget movie. We do have a professional wrestler here, after all. Yeah. Like he does this cool shit where he flips over the table and he has it on his back and he spit it in the table legs. I kind of liked it. Yeah. But one of the strippers gets off the pole, which is good because Santa wants to use the pole as an improvised weapon to fight the bartender and like the truck driver. However, he has the heebie jeebies from the pole because she was just dancing on it. So he goes and gets the bleach spray of the rag and he cleans the pole We're <laughs> yanking it out of the ground. Yes, he has to wipe the stripper goo off of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, his face when he does it is fantastic. Yeah. Oh. But then he kills the bouncers with the uh with the stripper pole that he's yanked from the ground. And then he pulls a lump of coal out of his pocket says naughty to the strippers breathes on it catching it on fire chunks it and catches the whole club on fire and the strippers and preacher run for their lives and santa goes and departs on a sleigh which apparently ate the valet (laughs) not the sleigh but the the hell deer yeah but we cut back to Gramps' house and we see him head into his bunker to work on the nutcracker and leave mac and nick alone and they get into a fight over i don't know Honestly, something so dumb I can't remember. And she leaves. And Nick decides to finish the Book of Qualls on his own, which apparently he can still read Icelandic. He just didn't want his grandpa to know. And we cut to a stop-motion claymation thing that basically looks like the Rudolph the red Nose Reindeer movie. Yeah. Right? That's the best thing I compared to. I mean, almost exactly like it. And we find out that on Christ's Mass one year, Everyone prayed so much that God sent down one of his top generals from the heavens. It was an archangel. And the archangel took the form of an old man because he was in love with a human woman anyways. And he wanted to, you know, be with her. And he knew that Santa was real big into gambling. So he went to where Santa was ice fishing with his elves on a frozen lake. And he challenges Santa to a curling match. And if the old man lost, he would be tormented in hell by Satan for all eternity. But if the old man won, Santa would turn the day of slaying into a day of joy. And Santa goes first, and he gets his rock as close to the hole as you can get without it falling in. And then the old man shoots his, taps Santa's, knocking Santa's into the hole, making him foul and loose. And that made Santa be the Santa that we know from history. And Nicholas realizes that this is the first Christmas after the thousand years of joy. So this is the year shit would go down and he tries to track Santa down on the NORAD tracker, which is called <laughs> gonad and gets made fun of by the chat support guy for being 16 and believing in Santa and decides his grandpa's crazy shit and goes to bed.
1: Yeah. Cause he messaged on there. He's like, Hey, is this thing real? He's like,
0: wait, how old are you? <laughs> yeah. He says 16. And he's like, Oh, fucking bad or something. <laughs> oh, we cut to Christmas morning and we see Santa ram through a nativity scene on a sleigh and decapitate one of the three wise men with like a fucking Viking hammer in front of an old couple. And then we cut some ungrateful little shits opening their Christmas presents that explode and kill them. And the scene's ridiculous because like, oh yeah, let's open our motherfucking presents and see what shit we got. And yeah. grandma's like, what's happening? And the mom's <laughs> like, open it, sweetie, And they explode and it cuts to grandma and she's just like fuck, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The humor is so out of place and still works in this movie, but they die like Looney Tunes characters. They do. (laughs) Like their hands and heads are blown off. Like their neck stocks are smoking. (laughs) Yeah. We cut to church and we see the preacher asking the congregation to pray for the souls of the strippers. And he says (laughs) all of their ridiculous names that I should have typed down because they were phenomenal. And we cut to the heaven sent deli. We see Santa go in to get something to eat. And kill a nice guy for once. He um, breaks in, spear dives through the counter, right? Which was like his signature wrestling move. Grabs a menorah, picks Mr. Green up, and stabs him in the throat with the menorah to the wall, leaving him for dead. Yeah. And then he notices a picture of Nicholas and Gramps on the wall, and he gets angry and leaves. And some Orthodox Jews walk by, and he growls at him, I guess, because I don't know. It's, well, he also, it's funny.
1: he also sees all the curling championship pictures that uh, the Grandpa's in.
0: Yeah, that's the picture I'm talking about with Gramps and Nicholas. And yeah, yeah. if it's not already beaten into your head, Gramps is the (laughs) Archangel. I'm just going to spoil it right now because I figured it out 30 seconds in the movie. (laughs) But we cut to a convenience store gas station where Nicholas is buying some gum from Tiny Lister of Friday fame who actually passed away last week, I believe.
1: Yeah, when this goes up, yeah, I think
0: it was only a couple of days ago.
1: But yeah, it's really fucked up because that scene, there's these uh, these boxes of ammunition that's like Big Ant ammunition. And it, in the yeah. credits, there's uh, in remembrance of somebody's name and their nickname was Big Ant, which I just thought that was really weird that I'm watching that scene and reading the box. And Ginger's like, you know, he died yesterday, right?
0: <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Like, I watched the movie, like, it was in my list of five movies or whatever to see what I wanted to cover. And he hadn't passed away yet. And then he died, and I watched it the second time to take notes. Yeah. And it was kind of weird so I realized he was, I realized his scene was coming up and then he was in the movie. I don't know. It was just crazy. Yeah, it was weird because when Ginger
1: told me, I'm like, well, there goes my you got knocked the fuck out joke.
0: Yeah. But. It was a great line, though. <laughs> and it, it's, a really, it's a really funny scene, too, because he's like, I don't, are you new to town? I don't recognize you here because he's like the only black person in the entire city. Yeah. And he's like, I don't remember what what joke he says. He, he said, Oh, I moved here because crime was too bad in the hood.
1: I know, right? right? It's, it's like he's the same character.
0: Oh, it's like a Friday
1: joke, you're right. Yeah.
0: But then the police scanner comes on and he hears about a disturbance at the deli. So he runs out to go check on Mr. Green and he goes and tries to pull the manure out of his throat. And with his last dying breath, he tells them that Santa Claus is real. And then two terrible local cops that rival the Last House and Left cops show up, and they don't believe the Amish guys outside when they call them about Santa. And that's not me being insensitive, they call them Amish guys. And they're obviously, I don't acidic know. the guy's name. I don't remember what the guy's actual name is, but he thinks it's like slow-mo and he's like, so Mr. Slow-mo out here. <laughs> and there's jokes about this crime scene. Doesn't look kosher. And <laughs> they really, they really threw it everything they had at this. Oh. one. And um, they take Nick and the Orthodox shoes in to the station. And Nick's trying to explain to the police chief that Santa is offing everyone in town, no matter if they're naughty or nice. And he tells the, the captain his theory that they have until midnight at the North Pole. And he breaks out his world clock that Mr. Green gave him. And, of course, the captain thinks he's crazy like his grandpa and kicks him out of the station. On the way out, he passes the two deputy deweys as they're eating donuts and discussing the killings on a map. And one of them thinks it makes the shape of a Christmas tree. And the other one thinks it's more of an irregular polygon. <laughs> and they begin to argue over this. As we see a cop walking in with a ticking present, he <laughs> clearly has a bomb in it. <laughs> and then Santa busts in the door, picks up the captain and uh, kills him by using a stun gun on his dick till he dies. <laughs> yes. All that just happened. And Mac had arrived to pick up Nicholas cause she was his one phone call. So he didn't see any of this happen. And he's trying to explain everything to her in the truck ride home and how he thinks they have four hours left until it's midnight North pole and they get pulled over by the police And it happens to be Santa driving a stolen car. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but the police captain's last name is Cock. (laughs) C-A-U-K. And there's like a bunch of, he sucks. Who, Cock? You know, and stuff like that jokes in there. And I'm going to actually get into that a little bit more at the end of the movie. But there's a bunch of jokes about that thrown in. But it's Santa that stole the squad car that pulled him over. So they try to run from Santa, who runs like the motherfucking... (laughs) T-1000 catches up with them, dives in the back of the truck, and Mac is trying to teach Nicholas, who's against guns, how to load and fire the shotgun while she drives. And Nick gets Mac to do what he calls the top gun maneuver to try to, like, stop <laughs> and make Santa fly forward. But it fails, and Santa falls over. And you see a lot of Santa doing the, like, roll back on his hands and flipping up, you know, to his feet thing. Because, I mean, he's an athlete, and he can do it easy. But he does that and gets blasted in the chest by the shotgun, and he gets knocked off the truck, hits the ground, and rolls. Apparently, that was all him, like, diving and rolling. Oh, okay. And he gets up, and he's uninjured, and he calls a slay down. So Nicholas and Mac rush to Graham's house to get in the bunker. And Gramps is pissed and wants to know if they're followed because if Santa followed them there, they're all fucked. And he said he built the bunker as a shelter, not a fortress. And some carolers show up on the front porch and Mac tries to warn them to leave as Santa shows up and kicks all of their asses (laughs) and kills all of them via body slams and bending them in half around poles and whatever. Yep. So they hide in the bunker as Santa Jason Voorhees his way through the front door of the house and into the bunker door. And Gramps gives Nick the keys to some snowmobiles and takes them at a secret exit as Santa busts in and they make it out. While the two teens are trying to escape, Santa reads the Book of Claws in the house and gets a nice laugh out of it and takes it with him. While he's looking at it, he can see on the security camera footage where Gramps is with the with the kids trying to start the, the vehicles, right? Yeah. And he runs outside and Gramps says he waited a long time for this. Like they knew each other. I wonder why. And... <laughs> Santa explains that he hates kids and all the letters they send him every year. And now he's going to hunt them all down and kill them (laughs) because he's so irritated by them. And then we see grandpa get ran over by the reindeer sleigh. And then his head is curb stopped into the ground by Santa Claus. Yes, I just said all that. (laughs) We then get a chase scene between a snowmobile and Santa's flying sleigh as he throws explosive presents down below. Yes, I just said that. They end up losing Santa by riding through like uh, a clay pigeon shooting tournament, yeah, which slows shooting. Santa down because, yeah, because yeah, they're, they're shooting at in the air and he, he, I don't know, diverts around it. Who the fuck cares? He's <laughs> invincible to bullets, except for right then, apparently. <laughs> but they ride through town and in the middle of the street, you can see a giant Christmas tree with the preacher and his entire congregation. And he's dressed as Santa and they're getting ready to do some carols. And Nick yells them to run for their lives. If you pay attention, the three girls standing next to the preacher are the strippers from the strip club. Yep. And Santa comes in and ram all of them. And the preacher trips the strippers on his way out and makes a run for it. <laughs> oh, you skanks. Oh, shit! Santa ends up hitting the preacher, making him flip through the air and land in the sleigh and then knocks him out and keeps him in the sleigh for some reason. And we cut to Nick and Mac trying to break into the school to hide. And their plan is just to wait for Christmas to pass and to hope that the 12 days of Christmas song is bullshit. Yeah, but Nick does get to grab her boobs. Yeah, because yeah, she can't squeeze under the broken glass unless her boobs are pushed down. And she's like, Jesus, do I have to make every first move and make some, you know, push her in? Exactly. He's a putz. Yeah. At this point, we dive into the third act of the film. And I really feel like this flew by. That could just be the eggnog. Talking, though.
1: That's not like a Zamboni's about to show up or anything. You just wait.
0: (laughs) In the school, Nick finds the nutcracker his grandpa's working on in his bag and a note saying the only good present is a practical one. And he gets sad because they didn't do Christmas and his grandpa left him a Christmas present on the way out. And he looks at the world clock and realizes they only have 58 minutes to go until it's midnight at the North Pole. So their plan is to just stall him until midnight because their assumption is that he will be powerless after midnight and they can lure him to the skeet shooters. Right. And they'll end Santa Claus's reign of terror. That's a (laughs) large assumption they have there. I wonder if like there's a cut scene that we missed to make him think he's powerless at that time. True. But we see Santa prep for battle by taking off his coat and going sleeveless. He's got to show those guns off. And he starts grabbing lots of Christmas-themed weapons like a glow-in-the-dark green candy cane that makes crowbar sounds when it hits metal. <laughs> and he's packing presents into his belt. It is fucking fantastic. <laughs> oh! But basically, the kids try to escape to the school, and they're cornered in the hallway by Santa Claus. Who's your daddy? Father Christmas. They try to run from him, and apparently, he can spit out flaming coal fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a really comical scene because they're cutting a corner and they have the idea to split up, and they realize it's a really long, straight hallway. And they're like, fuck this, because they don't want to have fireballs flying at them down the hallway. So they dive into the library and hide in the stacks. Santa comes in and he's got a not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse line that he says. Cause occasionally he says Christmas sayings and it's kind of funny. Yeah. But he can see on a mirror that the kids are hiding behind the stacks and he silently chunks a gas grenade that's like in a Christmas ornament. Behind the kids, and they don't realize it. And then he grabs the Christmas Carol book and starts reading it and says, Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of some people. Right as they realize the gas is going off. <laughs> and they take off running, and he chunks the book like a ninja star and pegs Nicholas in the back with it on the way out. And he wants like a baby all the way down the hallway. <laughs> And it's so bad, but it's, I don't know, it just kind of fits his character. It does. But they end up accidentally running into the school's ice skating rink that they apparently forgot existed, and they slide into the wall, and they're trying to, like, have a romantic kiss scene, and Santa shows up on a Zamboni machine, Yeah. and they try to blind him with a flashlight, and he says, my favorite line that he delivers in this whole movie, which is, I'm Santa Claus, not fucking Dracula. <laughs> Gets me every time. Uh, and he's about to run over them with the Zamboni machine and they scream for their lives and they are stopped by a heavenly curling stone. <laughs> and surprise, paul was the archangel that beat Santa a thousand years ago. What? And I never saw that coming. Exactly. <laughs> their last name's Yulsen and everything. Uh, no, right? And we find out that the way Santa tracked them down was that Nicholas snuck a letter to Santa Claus when he was a kid, when he asked for an easy bake oven (laughs) (laughs) and they decided to settle their scores with a curling rematch. And Santa stops a hole into hell in the ice rink, and Gramps goes first, and he stops his rock right next to the hole. And then Santa gets all serious and gets ready, and he's brushing his, uh, his curling rock, and he's getting ready to shoot it. And then he sneak grabs Grandpa, slams him on the ice, and slides him down, knocking the rock in and knocking him in the hole, making the score 6-6-6 somehow. Yeah. and he's now effectively taking the archangel out of the picture but the clock strikes midnight in nicholas's bag and he pulls it out and says it's midnight in the north pole and then his reign of terror is over however santa lets him know that time at the pole is discretionary because the pole is where all time converges yep he's scary yet educational Nick then quick draws the nutcracker out of his backpack as Santa spits a coal fireball at him and the chestnut fired from the nutcracker deflects the fireball gets overheated, and explodes as it pierces Santa's skin. And I just said all that, too. Like, I don't... <laughs> this movie is ridiculous. It happens. Santa is laying on the ground, bleeding out from where the chestnut's impaled in his chest. And they hear Gramps calling for help, and they find him hanging on the edge of the hole. And they pull him out, and he seals the uh, portal to hell. Yep. And we see Santa run away on a Zamboni machine. And that was really odd to me because if he was invincible, I did not know when he ran away. But then Gramps points out that he thinks Santa is bluffing and he actually is powerless now that Christmas is over. And they need to go get him now. Yeah. So the teens agree. They want to end this shit. They go head out. And then for some reason, Gramps isn't allowed to re- leave the ice rink. Yeah. Like he's stuck in there with like a force field. I don't get that. So Nicholas and Mac run to the shooting team from earlier, which one of them was Mac's brother. And they asked them, how would they like to, Bag a flying buck that they can hang on their wall, and they're talking to a Native American man that's got you know scar on his throat and he's chain smoking cigarettes and he has to talk into the voice box to, to talk. Yeah, and he's he's interested in this, <laughs> and they all gather around and grab guns and Nicholas like whistles for Santa and even he has a gun and they're all shooting and for some reason missing and you see Nicholas lining up a shot through the scope like he's going to be the one to take Santa out and make me really angry that that happened so against <laughs> guns and then you see a rocket. From fly over his head, hit the Hell Deer, and turn them into fucking meatloaf. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) meat flying everywhere. And they turn around, and Mac's dad's standing there with a bazooka, and Mac wants to know where he got it from, and apparently... The Native American man saved up all his camel cash to buy the bazooka for him, and it only cost him a lung and his voice box.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Native American guy is wearing a hat that says "Llama" in the camel yeah. font.
0: <laughs> He's also wearing a llama vest and a llama shirt. If you pay attention, yes. like it, it doesn't say camel, but it's in the camel font and says llama. Uh, so like he he smokes so many cigarettes, he saves the the camel cash or the llama bucks or whatever. But and yeah, them.
1: she's so funny because she's so cheesy. She's like, "Where'd you get that, Daddy?"
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. But uh, the police arrive on scene after all this goes down, and they find the pastor in his Santa suit impaled on a flagpole. And the town assumes that the pastor was the psycho Santa that terrorized the town. And Mac and Nicholas let them believe this because who would believe them about the real Santa? Yep. And Nick can see the book of claws and the grow next to the body. See, sneak grabs that. And if you pay attention, the, uh, held to your head is mounted on the dad's truck and he's tying it down to leave from the background. Yeah. Yeah. He's got got the
1: whole damn thing on the hood.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, whatever was left after the bazooka hit it. Right. And Nick looks at the book of claws and he says that he thinks his saga is just beginning because Santa's still out there and they kiss fade of credits. Not really. We have one more scene. And I'm assuming that was supposed to set up for the sequel that they all thought was going to happen. Hell, I'll take it. Oh, hell yeah. We cut to an airport and we see Santa dressed up as like a biker. And it kind of looks more like what Goldberg would look like. in the, his, his beard's braided and stuff. And he's buying a ticket to the North Pole. <laughs> and They ask him if he has any bags to check. And he pulls his Santa sack up and slams it on the counter. And they... <laughs> And they ask him if he left the bag anywhere out of his sight. Like they actually ask you at the airport. I don't know. It's just fucking ridiculous. Yes. It was a good final joke. And we fade to credits. And the credits are really neat because there's a naughty or nice list that runs next to everybody. And they're checked on either side. And anyone who died is under naughty.
1: But if you pay attention, the opening family, Rebecca Gayhart is on the nice list.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that. I bet Mr. Green was too.
1: That's why I kept saying poor Noxema girl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you make it through the credits and you get a post-credit scene. Take that, Marvel. They might have done this before you. And you see Santa looking at his naughty or nice list and he looks at the camera breaking the fourth wall and says, who's next? Which I thought was cool in its own right. And then through an accidental find on a Google search, trying to remember the name of his wrestling moves. Apparently when he would do his finishing move on somebody and take him out in the ring, he'd look at the camera and say, who's next. Uh, so they fit another Goldberg joke in there that fit with the Santa Slay story. And, There has to be two versions of this film, because I watched two different legit streaming versions of it, one on Amazon, and one of them was through Plexus public server. And I saw the same movie both times, and it has the same official runtime that I can find listed anywhere. But while trying to dig for behind the scenes stuff, which I could not find anything of, I saw other people reviewing the movie, and they were... One would show the scene where when the cop calls for Nicholas Yulson to come talk to him at the counter and check in before he goes and sees the captain, there's a picture behind him. It was Captain Bush was replaced by Captain Cock and Nicholas is asking the guy if he prefers Cock or Bush. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like a really long two minute drawn out joke. And that was not in any version of the movie I saw. And apparently the credits are just full of bloopers of Goldberg fucking up his stunts. Huh. Like rolling off the table at the beginning, that was not in either version that I saw. But I would have loved to have seen the blooper reel for that movie.
1: Okay, well, we of course the wife has this on DVD, and there's like seven or eight different segments in the special features, and I haven't watched any okay. of them. So I'm, I'm gonna have to go look at those now because like one of the segments is called "Ho Ho Hoes," like so I'm <laughs> curious what all's in there. <laughs>
0: Honestly, I would love to watch that next time at your house because I I thought this movie was really fun and it'd be cool to see whatever was out there. I just didn't have time to go get the movie because nobody has it locally. So (laughs) I had to go with streaming means. And I took so long to pick a movie. I wasn't going to get it here on time physically. The only other interesting fact I could find about this film is that there is a stunt actress in the movie named Wanda Ferriton that Goldberg met on set and they started dating and got married a few months later and are still married to this day. Oh, no shit. Really fun movie. If you would have told me it was a movie with a you know, fucking ex-pro wrestler dressed as Viking Santa going around killing people, I, I honestly would have took a pass. I, I've taken a pass <laughs> on this movie for 15 years. Don't be like me. Don't take a pass. <laughs> it is a really fun movie. And I know I said at the beginning, I purposely didn't want to do like Silent Night, Deadly Night or anything like that. There's so many movies, Black Christmas that are around Christmas and they're slashers and they're so dark and dreary. And I wanted this to be a fun Christmas episode. So I purposely didn't do them. And I did end up picking a movie. With the guy in a Santa suit killing people, but he's Santa and a demon and the son of Satan. And he lost to a curling match. And it's just, it's a really fun movie. And it was honestly really well made.
1: Well, see, that's the thing about it is it feels like a family feel good Christmas movie about a character and his grandpa, the, you know, grandpa, yeah. the curling champ. And when the special effects on it aren't that great. I mean, they're better than what we're going to talk about next, but, but uh, like just (laughs) watching the movie, it looks like a fucking made for TV hallmark family Christmas movie with all this wild shit in it. Yeah. And that makes it even better because at face value, it's just cheesy as fuck, but it, none of this shit should work together. And that's what makes it work, which doesn't make you, You get what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah. But it's fun, it, especially when the fucking rocket launcher shows up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just has so many random things like that. And the special effects aren't bad. I didn't mention it, but you can see Santa on his sleigh flying through town through any scene where he's not supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. Like, if you see people just hanging out, like, he's always flying by, and those look cheesier than anything. But them picking a wrestler, I mean, even if they had to pick, like, a really famous actor and somehow talk to him into doing this role, it was the fact that it was a wrestler that could be gigantic, smash through things, body slam people, and say all these one-liners and that... Points really added to it, and and honestly, I think if you'd have put anybody else in that Santa suit, the movie would not have been as funny. I I never thought I'd say this, but I feel like Bill Goldberg carried the movie for the most (laughs)
1: part. But no, you're right. Like if you put like you know who's who's the next, and this may be because of our generation, but like the next person I think of is let's put Hulk Hogan in there. It wouldn't work. It would just be like no fuck this. I ain't watching this,
0: (laughs) and I don't even like Goldberg. And it didn't even have to be a wrestler. You could put a famous actor there. I don't know. It just. I didn't know I liked Goldberg until I watched (laughs) this movie, but (laughs) apparently I'm a Goldberg fan because he was fucking hilarious in it. But I don't know. It was a really fun movie. I'm glad that, you know, I had to keep digging for movies to find something worse and worse to go with Josh's film. And it was really fun because I got a really goofy movie to watch out of this. And then I ended up watching Josh's movie twice. So I guess I liked it a little bit more than I thought. But it is definitely on the other end of the cheesy spectrum. And, of course, we're talking about 1997's Jack Frost.
1: Yep. Time to go from hell to Snowminton. Snowmantown? Snowminton. No, it really is Snowminton. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone else says this, so I'm going to say this. Not the Michael Keaton Jack Frost that came out. The year after this, because this one actually came out first, even though it didn't come out anywhere other than video stores. But uh, here we go. So this was directed by Michael Cooney. It's the only thing he's directed. It Mm -hmm. was written by Michael Cooney and Jeremy Page. This is the only thing they've written. Um, This is
0: very similar to my movie so
1: far. Except for, and this goes with writing and directing, the sequel, which we'll save that for the end
0: i didn't even try <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we've got scott mcdonald as jack frost who's done a crap ton of tv including the x-files and that'll come up later we've got christopher allport as sam who's done a metric fuck ton of tv and like soap operas and shit and i think he yep. passed away not too long ago um Aww. by not too long ago that could mean 10 years but anyways steven mendell as agent manners and Yeah, still just a lot of TV acting. Um, The point I'm getting at is there's not a lot of big names in this movie, except for one. Shannon Elizabeth is Jill. And this movie is often cited as her first movie, and it's not. It's her second. She was in another movie that came out the same year. I didn't realize that until Final Research this morning. I don't remember the name of the other movie, but but it looked to be just as bad as this.
0: So I saw something that said this movie got stuck in production hell and it took it a while to come out. So this was probably the first movie she filmed.
1: Possibly, but the production hell, we'll get to that. I was basing it on release date, but we'll get to the production <laughs> hell. So special effects, the primary effects artist on this is Michael Deke. I actually have a printout here so I can just hit some bullet points. From Beyond, Ghoulies 2, Halloween 4. Bride of Reanimator, Ghoulies Go to College, Demonic Toys, Doppelganger with K&B, Shrunken Heads, Transfers 5. So a lot of Full Moon stuff.
0: Not a lot of great movies, though. I think that's also the Halloween movie where Michael Myers has the wrong color hair for a giant segment of the movie. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, But then on to Phantoms, House of a Thousand Corpses, Tremors 4, Ginger Snaps Back, and then things like Transformers and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And now he's doing major action flicks. So
0: what the fuck happened? I don't know. Those are big franchises, but he seems to do the sequels of the sequels a lot. So you got to (laughs) wonder. This is true once we get into
1: his most recent credits of Tron Legacy and Bill and Ted Face the Music. But uh, (laughs) I just find it ironic that that guy went on to all this. And now let's make it even more ironic. The designer and creator of the Jack Frost suit is none other than Screaming Mad George. What the fuck? Why does it look so bad then? We're going to get into that too. So (laughs) the idea of this movie is that it started off as the abyss meets shocker. So Jack was supposed to shapeshift throughout the movie. Oh, they call it morph. So he was going to morph from steam to ice to snow to water and become all these different creatures. And that was all fine and good because they secured $30 million for the film. Okay. They brought in Rennie Harlan, who we recently talked about because of Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Yep. They didn't say specifically that he was going to direct, but they just said his production team. So maybe as a producer and the story goes, and I'm saying this, the story goes because the director says the same thing in the commentary. But what he was told is that Harlan's then wife, Gina Davis, read the script and said, fuck no, this is awful. Let's do a pirate movie instead, which would have been Cutthroat Island, which was the movie that bombed so bad it tanked the studio that put it out. So. Supposedly, if anybody wants to say this movie's absolute garbage, they can blame Gina Davis. (laughs) Because they pulled the plug, they lost the deal on the $30 million. And the budget ended up dropping down to somewhere around $600,000. What?
0: That's nothing.
1: Yeah, all from one banker through a studio called Prism. And I go into all this because this shit's more fascinating than the movie.
0: So far, yeah.
1: (laughs) So supposedly you're going to hear me say that so many times (laughs) prism gave screaming mad george fifty thousand dollars to build the snowman version of jack and they built exactly one that's all they had for filming (laughs) i don't think screaming mad george built it i think prism hired some fucking kid and pocketed the rest of the money I have nothing to cite for that other than watch the film and look at the other work Screaming Mad George has done. There's no melting flesh hanging off of it. There's no random
0: genitals. It just doesn't look like Screaming Mad George to me. (laughs) We don't even get melting snow off of it. It looks like styrofoam attacking the whole time. Exactly. So
1: once the one snowman was delivered and they looked at their budget, they said, fuck, we really got to lean on comedy from here on out. So they go up to Big Bear in Northern California in January. So they'll have plenty of snow record heat wave that's why there's almost <laughs> no snow in this movie and why all almost all the shots are tight and they literally had a few buckets of snow and white blankets that they just carried around the set when they were shooting that's
0: why all the snow's so bad this is like halloween with fall leaves all over again exactly
1: So Cooney was actually a big Sam Raimi fan, and there's a lot of shots in the movie and framing and what he calls puddle cam and stuff like that, where he was really trying to pay an homage to Sam Raimi. And when I started hearing about that, I was like, holy shit, they even cast the main dude to be a fucking Kmart Bruce Campbell. And you start to see some of this shit unfold in the movie. Yeah. And the neat thing about Scott McDonald was years later, he was doing an after the movie years later, he was doing an episode of... The X-Files, and they took him down to a prop shop and like, hey, we're going to get you a body mold because you're going to be this dead guy, blah, 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 blah. And he's just looking around at some of the stuff that they have hanging on the walls from stuff they've done in the past. And he sees the fucking Jack head and like, this, this studio said, oh, yeah, we did that. Now, what's interesting, because that's from an interview. So there's never any mention that this is screaming mad George's fucking studio. So that lends credence to Prism ran off with the fucking money. (laughs) 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 Just saying. (laughs) So that's all the behind the scenes before we get in this movie. This movie's terrible. It's awful. And it's great.
0: I was about to say, why did you just have to do this movie if it's terrible and awful?
1: I had never seen it until the wife showed it to me. And it's in the annual rotation. And the behind the scenes on it makes me go, oh, my God, what might have been. And <laughs> you, you really got to look at it. It has had this been like, it, it's the Christmas Evil Dead 2 is what it could have been.
0: I think you're reaching for it. Well, they didn't go hard enough <laughs> that direction. Like, they, okay. they,
1: they still tried to make their big budget movie with no money, and it didn't work. But it still got lots of fun shit in it. So we open up with this narration of Uncle Henry telling the backstory of Jack Frost, who nipped at people's noses for real.
0: He'd stick knives in their faces and cut out their tummies and stamp on their heads till their brains got all runny. Uncle Henry, I don't hey, think hey, this is
1: such a... You wanted a story. You got a story. Uh- and uh, while we're here and Uncle Henry tell this story to a little girl, we're seeing these ornaments on a Christmas tree and the camera's moving around and that's our opening credits painted on the ornaments. So that's kind of cool. And it gives yep. us a backstory that Jack was a crazy serial killer that finally got captured in some podunk town and he's set to be executed at midnight. That's actually Cooney doing the narration in the opening. They hired someone to do it and they said, you got to do it in two minutes. That's how it got paced for you. have to do it in two minutes. And he kept doing it. It kept taking four minutes and he got into an argument with Cooney and Cooney's like, no, it can be done in two minutes. And he did it just to prove a point. And the guys in the <laughs> studio are like, Hey, we, We're done. Send that guy home. And they just
0: kept his smart ass take of it. I liked it. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie was the opening credits. Yeah.
1: It sets the tone for not the movie you get. Um, (laughs) So we know Jack's going to be executed at midnight. So we then cut to the executional transfer vehicle because that's what's painted on the fucking side of it. (laughs) And it's driving through a snowstorm and they got Jack in the back and they cross into the town where Jack was caught. And the guards are teasing him about it. And uh, he's too busy killing the one guard that's in the back with him because he wouldn't give him a fucking cigarette. And he's like blowing smoke in his face, being a dick to him and stuff. Seriously, imagine Bruce Campbell in that scene. Anyways, (laughs) I'll drop it after one more scene. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) They end up getting into a head-on wreck with the genetic research truck. And they had no money for the crash, so there's this slow motion of the two bumpers just barely touching. You hear this little ding, and then the cheesy-ass camera spinning of the truck spinning, and Jack jumps out the back in all the chaos. And uh, (laughs) He's out of his cuffs, and the one guard that survived the wreck is uh, (laughs) standing there pulling out his gun on him and we see this pressure gauge on the, the the genetic whatever truck and this acid burst out of the side of it.
0: This is going to hurt.
1: It hits Jack and they shot it exactly how they shot the blood wall in Evil Dead 2 where they had a had him lay down on his back and just poured from above, and it's the it's frame the same. It's exactly the same as Bruce Campbell yeah. getting hit by all the blood. So Jack melts into the snow, and we get this cheesy ass Jurassic Park animation that shows that he is now molecularly bonded to the snow, and it's that brief Dino DNA exactly. <laughs> oh, and that's that's how things happen in this movie. So uh, we cut to Sam, who's uh, we're going to find out is the local sheriff. he's driving with his family and his wife's like you're a million miles away it's almost midnight and he's having this internal flashback about when he caught jack he was the one who did it and uh he caught him while he was pulled over taking a piss and uh exposition time kicks in and we see jack after the trial screaming at sam
0: that's right sheriff you take a good long look at this face Next time you see it, it's going to tear your world apart. I'll find a way. I'll tear your
1: turn apart. Sam snaps back into it, and him and the family pass by the crash scene. He's saying, you yeah, know, I'm the sheriff. there's anything to do to help, and it's like, no, 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 we've got this under control. He's like, oh, all right, and they drive off. And uh, we see the, the one surviving guard all shell-shocked, and he's like, It didn't have feet. It didn't have feet. It just just moved through the snow (laughs) and who we're going to find out is Agent Manners comes up to him and he's like, I need you to tell me what you saw. So the next morning we see Sam's son Ryan making oatmeal marshmallow antifreeze mush
0: for pops and the jug of antifreeze is sitting next to the fucking bowl. (laughs) Is it really? Yes. I've seen this movie three or four times, and the last time I watched it is the first time. Somehow I missed every time at the end that there was antifreeze in the cookies.
1: (laughs) How did the mom not fucking notice this? She is mother of the year, okay? And what bothers (laughs) me even more is the kid's got a chair in front of the stove, and he's on the chair on his knees. And if you pulled the chair out and just stood there, he'd be the same height. Why? (laughs) Why is the chair there?
0: In case he needs to stand up. He likes have the ability to go higher
1: (laughs) he likes options huh yep so uh sam heads into town and we meet several disposable characters who will get named later (laughs) they're prepping for the annual snowman competition and they've got one covered up for the big reveal and uh sam goes to see paul the local hardware guy while jill tells tommy that she wants to get together later for some snowballing which i (laughs) I never caught until i watched the fucking subtitles on anyone who doesn't know why I think is snowballing is so funny needs to watch clerks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This movie has so many random background comments from background characters that you have to really be paying attention. Yes.
1: So Sam heads to the station and he's trying to crack jokes at Marlo while he's like hanging up his coat and shit. And he's not turning around and a nice touch in the station. I don't know if you noticed it they have crime scene tape cut into the shape of snowmen, like snow, like, like angels where you do the folded up paper thing as decoration throughout the police station.
0: (laughs) Cause they don't have crime there.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So (laughs) he's making all these jokes and Marla's not responding. She's just sitting there (laughs) and she's smoking and blow drying her hair and she's going to be smoking and hairspraying her hair through the rest of the movie. Just deal with it. She's, she's that chick. But anyways, since she's not replying, he finally goes, what did somebody die? And she holds up one of those while you were out notes that says somebody died. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. there's some great jokes in this movie just as a whole it's terrible
0: i mean yeah you could tell there was a lot of thought into it but it just it just didn't get there do you think she's like uh knock off adrian barbeau is that the look they were going for there
1: yeah i could see that <laughs> she's just not at the radio station oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we cut to sam and the boys which it's the two main cops i think it's joe and chris i don't remember we'll we'll get into them later And they're looking over this dead guy in a rocking chair outside and they're discussing how there's no evidence, (laughs) not even footprints. And the chair's just rocking through this whole scene while they're sitting here talking about it. And What are they going to do? And they don't want the town to freak out. And finally, Sam tells the one cop, he's like, take your foot off the chair. And he realizes he's been sitting there rocking the chair the whole time. So uh, this is some serious shit. Like you said, there's no crime in this town. And Sam's paranoid as shit about Jack Frost because he's having... Voices in his head and, and he's looking at old notes later on and all this shit. It's obvious this really had an effect on him. He's always scared he was going to come back like he promised. So Sam contacts the FBI and he talks to Agent Manners, who was at the scene, and he just wants to make sure that Jack died in the accident and he reassures him that he did and as soon as he gets off the call we see manners is talking to a guy named stone who tells manners the acid had never been tested before not even on an amoeba let alone an entire person And yeah. <laughs> manners is like well now you know it works and i gotta go put it back in the test tube there's so many thrill me lines out of this guy that don't fucking land
0: <laughs> no no Uh, no miller time either (laughs) they couldn't have afforded miller time though he would have been drinking like meiser brow or something (laughs) so
1: now we know that the uh the fbi agent and the the secret genetic doctor on the case
0: (laughs) it took me to the last time i saw it to catch that he's not actually an fbi agent either he's like special forces for the chemical company
1: yeah yeah he's from the agency yeah So, uh, Sam then goes back to revisit rocking chair corpse with doc Peters. (laughs) And the whole point of the scene is for doc Peters to say, look, look at how the head was pushed. They, they must've been wearing gloves or mittens. I know. I know. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) So then we see mom pulling up at home from the grocery store. As she's pulled up, we see this unfinished snowman outside and she's carrying in groceries and we hear the snowman moving behind her and she looks back and then goes in the house anyways. And she finds Ryan making his next concoction, which this time it's gingerbread men. And he holds one out to her. And if you pay attention, which I didn't realize until the commentary, the gingerbread man is missing an arm, and that's supposed to be foreshadowing for the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, and mom, mom says I I see your unfinished snowman out there. And Ryan's like, well, I wasn't, I didn't build that snowman. But he sees the carrot and the sticks and coal and shit, and goes running off with it. Meanwhile, we've got the men of the town confronting Sam about the murder. Like they're already whipped up into a frenzy like oh my god someone got killed what are we going to do Sam and you've got Paul that's like every time they talk about something he's like I got this 20% off and he's like I got ammo yeah. 20% off for the
0: cause <laughs> I'll be open all hours
1: <laughs> so we cut back to Ryan and he's finishing the snowman just then some asshole kids show up and they tell him to move because he's blocking their sled run you're on a black eye sled run blah 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 <laughs> the main kid's name is
0: Billy he's like you going to make me kick your ass again why is the snow run through the fucking <laughs> Police chief's yard. And I don't why know. are you talking shit in front of the police chief's house? I don't know. It's kind of goofy. When,
1: and when you see it here a few minutes later, it's not even a hill. It's fucking just flat land.
0: <laughs> With a white blanket. <laughs> Several white blankets.
1: But uh, so Billy knocks the head off of the snowman in anger. And the other boys take off in their sleds. Then Jack comes to life, pushes Billy down just in time for him to be decapitated by one of the sleds.
0: I didn't do it. Holy moly! Right, killed it.
1: Billy. Was not me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we cut to the cleanup, and like it—it it starts off with you just see blood in the snow, and like the one snow shovel putting the snow over the blood, and like somebody taps on it with their foot three times. It's like not covering it up at all. I know, I know. <laughs> and in the commentary, the director's like, "You see that? That's all the real snow we had on the entire film." <laughs> <laughs> this' is just funniest shit for him to say. But uh, Billy's dad is going the fuck off. And Billy's dad, uh, Jill, is Billy's sister, Shannon Elizabeth. Just to put together the whole family thing. I think mom's name is Sally. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of throwaway characters in this movie. But anyways, he's going the fuck off at Sam. And Sam's like, there's no way Ryan did this. Billy's two feet taller than him. And you can hear this lady in the background say,
0: not anymore, he ain't. <laughs> yes. That was one of my favorite background lines. That happens quite a bit through the movie. You hear shit like that. So that night, Jill takes off to see
1: Tommy while dad's fucking, where are you going out like some lady of the night? You know, she's just trying to go out and snowball Tommy and not, you know, (laughs) pine over her dead brother while mom's like knitting or something like pretending everything's fine. Dad's just losing his shit. So he goes outside for a smoke and he starts hearing voices. And I didn't put hardly any of Jack's fucking one-liners and puns because they're all fucking terrible. Yeah. And they did this shit with ADR afterwards. They had time to think about this, and they're still terrible. So anyways, we'll just say he hears voices. It's obviously coming from Jack Frost and the snowman standing there, but Dad doesn't know this, so he's like looking behind the snowman and she's like, where Where are you? Who's, who's saying yeah. that? And uh, he's got an axe. And of course, fucking Jack comes to life grabs the axe, and jams it down uh, dad's throat fucking handle first. Then we go back into mom, who's complaining about these puddles in the floor, bitching about her husband coming in with wet feet. And then Jack suddenly reforms behind her. Okay, cool. He transitions into water, and that's how he moves. Okay, we get this. And he strangles her with Christmas lights. This may be my favorite kill in the movie. And uh, he shoves an ornament in her mouth, smashes that, then starts beating her face into a box of ornaments until she's bloody to shit. And then strings her up on the tree. Just then, Paul from the hardware store fucking opens the door. He's like, hey, your garage was blocked. So i holy shit. (laughs) Because he (laughs) sees Jack Frost there in the fucking living room. And he bolts. So we see Sam head to the station after visiting the crime scene with just the boys. And uh, because the one's just eating Pez while they're looking at her (laughs) in the tree, it's like, you mean we don't want to leave her up for the 12 days of Christmas? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, as he comes in this time, (laughs) he's not looking again while he's hanging up his jacket and shit. He tells Marla to contact the FBI and to get a hold of some asshole named Manners. And he turns around and realizes he's not talking to Marla. Who
0: are you? I'm the asshole.
1: So Sam takes Manders and Stone back to the crime scene where they examine a puddle and Stone's got his little Ghostbusters probe thing in there and he's like, oh my god, it's bonded at the molecular level. Blah 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 Sam's (laughs) Sam's walked away. He's not hearing any of this. And uh they're like, he could freeze and unfreeze at will. He can only take damage when he's in his frozen
0: form. So stupid.
1: But they're feeding Sam a line of bullshit saying, It's this killer we've been tracking for You know, weeks or years or whatever the fuck it is.
0: And something about a shoe print being just as identifiable as a fingerprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we're checking the water. Yeah,
1: even though it's fucking puddle. Anyways, and they recommend that they put the town on curfew. But what they don't know is he went outside and was looking at the other body and was talking to Doc. And Doc talks about him having the back door key in his pocket. When Manners comes out, he says, yeah, he must have let himself in with a key and then, then went back out the door. So they already know, or at least Sam knows he's full of shit. I'm trying to give, yeah. give the movie some sense of something. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> then we see the town folk gathering at the rec center slash church slash auditorium, whatever the fight it's the one building they got. Sam's trying to announce the curfew to them. But they're interrupted by a commotion from Paul outside. Fuckers, a snowman!
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's like karate chopping all the snowmen down and shit. <laughs> yes. That's awfully brave of him to go attack those snowmen like that. I knowing know, right? Scene, right? He might be the actual hero of this film.
1: Yeah, not me. I'd be running away from any snowman I saw, <laughs> especially ones with a carrot dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,. <laughs> Sam sends Officer Chris back to the scene and on his drive there he's stopped by Crossing Guard Jack.
0: <laughs> he's
1: just standing in the middle of the street with a stop sign. <laughs> and Chris gets out to get a snow shovel out of the back of the truck and of course Jack goes into the car and when I say Jack goes, Jack does this, you don't see any of this. It's all off camera nope. and sound effects. <laughs> but uh, so when he closes the trunk of the car you see Jack in the car and he fucking backs over Chris and then drives off. Sam uh, sends the other cop, Joe, after telling him to go lock up Paul to cool down, sends him to go pick up his wife because they don't know where she is. And his son says she went home for more blankets. And he comes in and there's a broken pipe and it's stupid, but it doesn't matter. It
0: gets, he gets her out of the house and they go back to the rec center. I guess that was supposed to be tension. Like the water coming in was Jack.
1: Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> But as they drive away, camera pans over, and we see Jill and Tommy standing in the front yard, and it's like, hey, let's break into the sheriff's house and
0: fuck. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I know
1: what they say, but that's what they're doing. Now, going into this scene, and I'm not talking about the tub, not yet, <laughs> going into this scene, if you'll notice, the whole kitchen scene, like it's lit well, it's shot good, there's a lot of coverage, and it all feels a lot better than the rest of the movie. You notice that at all? Yeah, a little bit. That's night one of shooting. <laughs> Okay. okay. (laughs) So then they realize real quick oh, shit, we don't have the time or money for this. This movie was shot in like 16 days. I mean, it's kind, Damn. Of, kind of obvious, but anyways, that's why some of this shit looks a little bit better in this scene. So we get this really hot scene of these two teens stripping down to their undies, and by undies, <laughs> I mean thermals.
0: <laughs> this honestly was a really well shot scene. Though. Like, yeah. It's really funny because they're like so excited, and it's just layer after layer. I mean, they're wearing like seven layers of clothes a piece before they get to said thermals, and it's just ridiculous, and it, it's one of the better gags, I feel like, in the movie.
1: Yes. So we finally get to Jill. She starts unbuttoning her thermals and she's like, I'm going to go dry my hair and I want a roaring fire and a bottle of wine. Let me know when you're ready for me or some shit like that. She may not say that she blow dries her hair, but that's what she goes to do. So Tommy finds some wine. He's like, oh, this is nasty. It needs ice.
0: By wine, you mean the champagne. Yes, because it is. It's carbonated. You're right.
1: (laughs) And he opens the freezer and there's Jack Frost packed into the freezer and he takes an ice pick and he picks out some ice. But that's not Jack Frost in the freezer because of what we're fixing to see. And I've never understood this and it's not even addressed in the commentary.
0: It confuses the hell out of me. I was hoping you were going to explain it to me right now.
1: I got nothing because Jack comes in through the fucking door <laughs> because Tommy hears fucking there's snowballs hitting the house and he gets freaked out and there's a gag of him grabbing stupid pointless shit out of the, the drawer like a, a pie thingy and a, a beater and an ice pick. What happened to the ice pick he already had? <laughs> Why do you have to go right. through the door to get that? But anyways, he goes to the door. Jack comes in, whoops up on him. And he's like, what the hell are you? He's like, world's most pissed off snow cone. That's how bad his lines are. He starts <laughs> shooting fucking icicles out of his hands, pinning Tommy to the door, which that's kind of cool, except for the last one goes through his forehead and we get a reverse to the other side of the door and the icicle pulls back out through the door and Tommy's beating heart is pulsating in the hole left behind.
0: Why? Maybe it's supposed to be a brain. The world's most pissed off snow cone line makes me think that that was supposed to be him in the freezer, at least at some point when they were writing this movie. Because he just chiseled off like some hunk of ice of him and drank him. No, I'm
1: totally with you on that because the carrots in the freezer and everything, it's so weird that they have him come through the door.
0: Maybe he partially came in through the water pipe earlier. He partially came in through the ice maker and the rest of them came in through the door. I don't know. Maybe. It's doesn't make any sense. It's very confusing. And then if you think about it, they ingested some of Jack also, and that doesn't come back either. If, if he was the ice in the freezer.
1: True. So meanwhile, back to Jill upstairs, who doesn't hear any of this because she's blow drying her hair and listening to the radio. And then she sees this freshly drawn bath, and she thanks Tommy for it, and she strips down and hops in. And she, she tastefully strips down. There's no nudity in this movie. Well, they call it in the commentary, TV-friendly butt. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in the bathtub lathering up and shit and we see this trail of water across the floor and then all of a sudden I think it starts with the carrot (laughs) and she's like Tommy don't put cold water in the tub no no And then all of a sudden the tub freezes over and then Jack rises up out of the tub with Jill basically embedded into him and he's missing the carrot nose. And, uh, it looks like he just starts banging away on Jill, bashing her head into the wall in the process until she falls over dead.
0: Looks like Christmas came a little early this year. Well, hope it was good for you, honey. And for anyone who hasn't seen this movie yet, this is why Josh and I have made so many carrot dick jokes over the past two years on the show because of the scene.
1: Yes. And here's where the carrot dick jokes get even funnier because this was shot near the end of the movie or near the end of the shoot. And the whole rig was on a scissor lift. That's how they had him rise up into the tub. And then they actually had a little wheel thing where they could roll the scissor lift back and forth quickly for the banging into the wall. The carrot missing was not part of the plan. The carrot poked Shannon Elizabeth in the eye when they were trying to film this and they just said, fuck it, take it out. We have to get the shot. They ADR'd the Christmas came early after editing because when they sat down to edit and got to the scene, they went, holy shit, he's fucking raping her.
0: <laughs> that was never- <laughs> I the- honestly thought it was a Jack raped her to death no. even without that line. No, they
1: swears up and down in the commentary. That was never the intention. But once the carrot was gone, there's no fucking other way to play it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, one really funny thing that happens during all that, she's like reaching towards the window as all this is going on. And there's a character called Idiot in an orange hat that pops up in the background in a lot of scenes. And he's walking down the street and he sees her waving and screaming and he just waves back at her.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It looks like a Home Alone, like Michael Jordan arm moving in the window. Like it's a silhouette. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it looks like. Don't worry, guys. We're almost
1: at the third act. Back at the station, they hear Chris's squad car pulling up. And they go outside, but uh, this is just as Stone is starting to exclaim that they need the company, not agents. Um, So he almost tells Sam what's going on, but they go outside and there's nobody in the car, but it's all wet and, uh, or moist, I should say. (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> and then uh, Marla spots this scarf on the ground in the one pile of snow that they had for filming. And uh, she goes to put it on. And they're like, no. And she's like, it's just a scarf. And this shot's done really good because the way she stands up throwing it over her shoulder and the way Jack pops up behind her looks great. Of course, she freaks out and runs. Oh, my ah! God. No. couldn't make it. So the group gets chased into the station, and Manners spills the beans. He's like, it's Jack Frost to Sam. And uh, Jack puddles under the door, and uh, Sam holds him at bay with a blow dryer because, you know, Marla's got him everywhere. And uh, the group falls back deeper into the station. And they start getting every aerosol can they can find, and they're taping all the nozzles down to get them to spray as they go down the hall where the, the cells are, and they go to the window at the end of the hall. They get Paul out of a cell while all this is going on, and we get Puddle Cam again as he's dropping the keys in the puddle that is Jack. They're really proud of Puddle Cam because they said the first one we set up, it took hours. <laughs> then once we knew how the rig worked, it'd be like, what do we need in the shot? Puddle Cam? Puddle Cam. Get the Puddle Cam. Anyways, they do make it out the window. And then Manners shoots the window from across the street. And it sparks and it blows up the whole station. And we see uh, we see Jack burn and melt away and then immediately back up into little balls of ice. So Jack pops back up and like his head's coming out of his side and he's,
0: he's all disheveled looking. He's like, I'm going to be back for you once I pull myself together. Like it's the lines are that bad. There's also a Picasso line in there somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the first thing. Look, Ma, I'm a Picasso. Yeah. That's funnier than the other shit.
0: It is. It really is.
1: So uh Sam pulls Stone aside and gets him to, you know, come clean on what Jack is. And uh, because he won't talk. Sam takes the gun away from Manners and shoots into the floor. And Stone's like, looks at Manners, like, aren't you gonna do anything? And he's like, what? Tell him to be a better shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh he tells him that it was supposed to be, it was an experiment that was supposed to be a way to store human DNA to ensure that the human race could survive an extinction level event. But apparently it created Jack instead, and it bonded in a way they didn't expect. And it means the soul is real, which is stupid. (laughs) But anyways, so they come up with a plan, and their plan is to force Jack into the rec center's boiler because he can only harm them when he's in a solid form. So if they can get him into a liquid form and leave him stuck somewhere, how's he going to hurt him? Almost a good idea. (laughs) So like, how are we going to get him here? And they're like, oh, he'll come to us. And they just go stand outside. And they hear this rumbling. They're like, oh my God, what is it?
0: Snowball! (laughs) Yeah, it's a stampede.
1: <laughs> and the, the big Jack snowball busts through the doors. And now everyone has hair dryers.
0: Yeah, because he missed the 710 split. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many bad lines. And they're all standing there with their arms on their backs and they pull the fucking blow dryers out at the same time.
1: Yes. And you're getting snow vision where they got Jack's POV is just like white shit. Watering Water smeared running on down, those. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they end up forcing him into the boiler. With extension cords. With extension cords this time. And uh, it worked. And everybody goes walking off, leaving Manners and Stone behind. They're talking. And while they're talking, what we see is steam coming out of the boiler, condensing on a window. And uh, Manners, I forget how the conversation leads to here, but as Manners is looking around, he's like, this is the kind of time when we need to look to the heavens and say oh shit
0: <laughs> <laughs> he actually sees the water he also had a scene earlier in the movie he's occasionally funny when the when they're talking about the stampede and the snowball comes he's like this reminds me of a time back in 73 and actually wanted to hear that story that was more interesting than most of the rest of the movie but unfortunately we don't get to hear about that time because the snowball comes in <laughs>
1: So, of course, Jack reforms, and now he has icicle teeth, and his head looks very different than it has for the rest of the movie.
0: Demonic Pac-Man.
1: Yes. This is the one that the filmmakers made themselves (laughs) after their 50 grand went down the hole with the main Ah. snowman. So he basically bites off Manor's face, even though it doesn't look like that. That's what they were trying to do. And he goes to attack Stone, and... uh, stone's like you you've cheated death you're immortal how does it feel and jack's like cold yeah yeah <laughs> and it cuts back to outside and we see sam and ryan going towards the car to leave and stone walks out and he looks a lot like an edgar suit from men yeah. in black <laughs> and uh he takes a few steps and then you hears jack frost go fuck it (laughs) (laughs) and his neck bubbles up and shit he starts puking out all this foam that's supposed to be snow and of course it's jack and uh stone's body falls over dead and uh sam and ryan go and jump in sam's car and the vents and the radio all start having water coming through them. of course it's jack flooding the car and they bust out the window or the windows down. I don't remember. They, they get out. Sam gets Ryan out and Sam goes to get out. And As he's going out, he grabs the bag of oatmeal mush off the dash and throws it into Jack's face. Why? There's no logical reason for him to do nope. this because he don't know. Anyways, and all of a sudden, fucking Jack's like, I'm melting."
0: <laughs> yeah, he's screaming in fucking pain
1: because it's burning the shit out of him. And Sam's like, holy shit, it's burning him. Ryan, what did you put in that? And he's like, well, I wanted you to be warm, Dad. <laughs> and it's like, what did you put in yeah. there? He's like, antifreeze.
0: <laughs> it's so I would have got pissed right then. But I he's know, like, right? oh, thank you, son. <laughs> Your son almost killed you. But, you know. And it's weird because the snowman's like bleeding. And you can see his internal organs yes. now, like from where the, where the antifreeze got him.
1: Makes no sense whatsoever.
0: <laughs> Looks cool, though.
1: Yes. But I love it how Ryan's like, I made special, Dad.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so Sam immediately has a plan and he sends Paul and Ryan to go get all the antifreeze that Paul has in his store for 20% off. And, uh, they put a tarp in the bed of the truck and start pouring all the antifreeze in it. Meanwhile, Sam lures Jack upstairs and, uh, he's going down this hallway upstairs and there's all these doors. And like, as he's going by them and banging into them, you hear different things. Like one of them, you hear a goat and the next one that you hear, is that your husband?
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is happening?
1: Like everybody's doing fucked up sex crimes going down this hallway, but he makes it to the room, uh, at the end of the hall. And this is after trying to shove paper into the door downstairs. Doesn't work. And, uh, this time, uh, Jack comes through the door as snow instead of water and he forms and he pins Sam up against the wall. And he sticks out another icicle and he stabbed it into his chest. And he's like, Oh, let's get to the heart of the matter. Oh, I think I feel flesh. There we are. I can't wait to get to your wife. (laughs) <laughs> and all this stupid shit. And Sam kind of possums out for a second. And uh, all of a sudden you hear half of Dixie whistle from a horn. And I guess they couldn't pay for the whole thing. Uh, i would be totally <laughs> serious. And he's like, that's the cavalry. And he grabs Sam and goes rushing out the fucking window. And they fly straight down into the bed of the truck. And uh, basically Sam just drowns. Jack in the back of the truck. But if you pay attention, his fucking arm breaks off. There's a tight shot of that, of the arm falling, and he drowns him until he melts into nothing. Now, what's fun is this shot was shot with just the stunt coordinator, and they gave him the snowsuit, and they only had enough money to do it once. And there was no setup. There was no cutaway. They took a truck filled with water, backed it up in real time, and he jumped out the window at the same time and landed in the truck. Nice. They just shot it with four cameras and said, I really hope we get this. There's no way insurance would allow that shit today.
0: <laughs> That's what I was about to say. How did that happen? Like, how did, how did they let them do that? And he's lucky he didn't, like, fucking slam his head on part of the truck or something on the way down. Exactly.
1: So Jack's gone. All's well. Until Ryan holds up the arm, he's like, Dad, but what about this part? And it wraps around his fucking head. So Sam just drowns him, too. He was annoying. So, well, okay, he doesn't drown him, but he does baptize the shit out of him.
0: <laughs> I know. It looks like he's baptized, and I'm like, what if the kid swallowed in the antifreeze?
1: <laughs> so then we see the next day, and they're putting all the, the melted jack into jugs, the antifreeze jugs, and burying them as the cops are arriving. And they're like, what are we going to tell them? And it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. It's the end of the movie. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We see the jugs buried underground and it, it tightens in on one of them and the fucking music kicks in as we see the jugs start to boil. And I think we hear Jack laugh and then it goes to credits. And that really is the end of the movie. And again, what might have been, I love the idea for this movie. Had had Jack actually been a, a demonic morphine character that could be all these different water related elements that was on a murderous rampage with a 30 million dollar budget it could have been totally different but there's there's a decent bit of charm in it it's campy as fuck and there's nothing else out there like it
0: there's a reason for that
1: (laughs) now going into the credits if you watch the credits they're filled in with phrases that if if you read it that have nothing to do with the credits oh really uh, yeah i'm just going to call out three of them Uh, One of them is uh, it's page 60 and there's not a single morph. And that being a joke about how we've shot up to page 60 and the snowman hasn't morphed because they didn't have the money to do the other forms. And then there's uh, another spot in the credits where it says maybe it'll snow tomorrow because that was the joke every day that they were shooting because it never fucking (laughs) snowed. Of course, the all time best one in the credits. Where's the carrot in the bath scene? (laughs) Now, a little bit of post script on this movie. The studio went bankrupt. I wonder why. During filming. And <laughs> all the rights ended up with the banker who had funded the 600 grand, who turned around and sold it. And the deal that he cut with the other studio that actually released it on video got everything. The actors didn't even get residuals and they go through the stats of how many tapes were sold to Blockbuster Video because this was 97 and the actors should have made good money off of the rental purchases and how it was a bunch of bullshit, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But that's how it went. You know, it was they got the funding from someone else. It's not their product. When American Pie came out, (laughs) Hmm, hmm, hmm. Shannon's manager contacted Cooney and said. Do not fucking use her to promote your movie at all. Do not use the success of American Pie. We will sue the shit out of you. Do not associate her with your movie. Like, that's some ballsy shit, but Cooney didn't have any money. I mean, what studio put that shit out? Their lawyers. Right. They, there's no, he couldn't have fought that. If this movie wasn't bad enough, it did warrant a sequel. A Hawaiian sequel about a killer snowman. mm Exactly. I would rather see Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian than Jack Frost to (laughs) Revenge of the Murdering Snowman, I think it's called. I've seen it.
0: I'm going to tap out of both of those ideas. Oh,
1: dude, it's so bad. And it's not so bad. It's so bad it makes
0: this shit look good. So, like, did the banker sell the rights or what happened?
1: This is all being told by the director in the commentary that his understanding was, since everything went to the banker with the studio going bankrupt, that he sold the rights to another studio. And the studio that okay, actually okay. did the video release held all the all the rights to the
0: film and made a sequel for some reason.
1: Yep. And they actually brought back the same writer and director for the sequel. Like if I was Cooney, I'd be like, well, you're dealing with a different studio at that time. So maybe it'd be OK. I don't know. That leave that would leave a bad enough taste in my mouth that regardless of who the rights got sold to, I just want to put it behind me.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of this movie I'd want behind me. It's really not that bad. I mean, if you accept it for what it is, right? Yeah, You ha- you have to <laughs> it,
1: go into it knowing what it is. It's it's almost as good as a full moon movie, but it's not. And I'm being
0: serious. If it had the name Troma attached to it when it came out in the 90s, I would have given it more credit probably than two because it's like that kind of quality on the effects, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah if they had just steered hard in, into that direction because he even talks, I think Troma actually gets mentioned by name that they didn't want to steer that hard into it. Cause it would have ended up being that kind of a movie. And he was still, he's like, every day I come on set and I still think we're filming a $30 million movie, but we're not. And like, he, he couldn't let go of like, okay, we need story and character development and, and everything's yeah. going to come together in the end. And it didn't, and they should have just went with what they had and went fucking balls to the wall zany.
0: And that's why tromo movies work. Cause they just have, you know, like boob gags in them and stuff like that. And no plot. And they make fun of there not being a backstory for something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. I guess the last thing I want to say as far as this movie being shot so cheaply, the movie was shot on film, but it was shot on what's called uh, short ends. And it's the leftovers of reels from real movies where oh. where it only runs for a couple of minutes. And other they repackage them and sell them through other film houses. And that's what they shot the film on. So anytime they were rolling, they literally only had a couple of minutes before they needed to change mags. And I just thought that was neat. I didn't know that was a thing until listening to the I commentary on yeah. this.
0: That is both neat and terrible at the same time. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, that kind of gives some more credit to the crew on making this movie. than they had to do some shit under some super constraints to make that.
1: Yeah, that, that's what's amazing is that the film even got fucking made. I don't think it ever, it may have had a limited theatrical release, but I didn't look at the numbers. God, I didn't look at the numbers for a reason. But that's it. <laughs> that's that's the uh the snowman carrot bathtub rape movie of the 90s.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say out of the two movies, we don't normally do this, but I like Santa Slay a lot more than this one.
1: <laughs> I like them equally for different reasons.
0: I think I just kind of had a bad taste in my mouth from this movie because I saw it in the 90s and I just didn't like it. (laughs) And then I didn't see it again until three, four years ago. So
1: it grew on me enough and it's starting to get a cult following for some reason. Enough that uh, I don't know who these people are, but Vinegar Syndrome released the Blu-ray. And that's what I've got. (laughs) That's what has the commentary on it. (laughs)
0: I'm actually surprised there's a Blu-ray of this film unless it said Scream Factory on it.
1: Dude, It's and it's one of the combo packs. You get the Blu-ray and the DVD. They put fucking money into it.
0: So that's it for our Christmas 2020 episode. We hope you guys had a lot of fun listening to it like we did making it while drinking eggnog. And we hope you guys have a great Christmas and and a happy new year. And we can all hope for a better year next year maybe that's all we can hope for yeah we need that and like i said earlier we'll be back sometime towards the end of january but you guys are gonna have to tune in for that episode when we cover some of our personal favorite films that we couldn't fit anywhere else
1: i'm afraid you're gonna have to start
0: getting scared immediately as usual guys thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word Please do not forget to rate and review us online. And please, please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbyspodcast at gmail.com.
1: We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbspodcast. This might motivate us to use them
0: more. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening. Why, I'm just trying
1: to spread a little Yuletide fear.